Welcome to the Beacon broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com, beaconbaptist.com. The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We are lingering at the conclusion of Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians just long enough to take some time with one extended application from one of the closing verses of this epistle. And the verse that I'm expanding, expounding upon, and expanding is verse 8 of chapter 13, where Paul said, We can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. And he was making a declaration that his life was totally and completely regulated by the Word of God, by the truth that is the Word of God. His God-given disposition was such that he could not do anything against the truth, not that he, not if he knew it. His God-given disposition was such that his whole life was regulated by the truth, and he only could do those things which were for the truth. What a testimony. Short, sweet, to the point, but how powerful, how, how expansive that is because it touches every area of life. And so Paul could say, when it comes to my eating, it's regulated by the truth of God's Word. When it comes to my socializing, that's regulated by the truth of God's Word. When it comes to my finances, they're regulated by the truth of God's Word. When it comes to my missionary labors, they are regulated by the truth of God's Word. When it comes to how I deal with problems in my life, I can tell you that my, my response and relationship to problems is regulated by the truth of God's Word. When I have difficulties in relationships with people, my life is regulated by the truth of God's Word. I can do nothing against the truth, but only what is for the truth is I'm dealing with all of these areas of my life. I have a life that is regulated by the truth. So says the Apostle Paul, and so should all of us say, that is my desire. I don't know if I carried it out. I, I know I haven't carried it out as well as Paul did, but that is my desire. I hope that is your desire. Is it? Is your determination to have a life that is regulated by the truth of God's Word. May God make it so. Well, thank you for joining me on this Wednesday, January 24, and thanks for the financial help that some of you give us in order to be able to continue teaching God's Word on this station. Well, we've already talked about what it will take for you to have a life that is reg regulated by the truth. And in short, it just means that if you're going to make that happen, or for that is going to happen in your life, you're going to have to know the truth. And you are going to have to do something to make that happen. The truth in your life 
If you are a born-again child of God with the indwelling Holy Spirit, the truth in your life is going to shape your life according to the truth, but only to the extent that you know the truth. If you're not taking the truth in, then you don't know it, and your life won't be regulated by it except in just a, a, a few areas in, in the little parts of God's Word that you do know. But to have a life regulated by the truth, a life regulated by the truth, requires that you know the truth, and that requires some intentional intake on your part. But we've already covered that. And so we're actually dealing with the second application, which has to do with the responsibility of pastors. What is the main responsibility of a pastor? It is to preach and teach and apply the Word of God. It is to enable his people to know the truth. That, my friends, is what the Bible says the responsibility of the pastor is. Preach the word. Be in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. That's the responsibility of God-called preachers. That's the responsibility of a pastor. If you are a pastor who has truly been called by God, then God has gifted you to teach the Word of God, to preach and teach it. We won't get into the distinction between those two things right now. But God has gifted you to be able to preach and teach the Word of God, and He has assigned you that as your main responsibility. But I thought, says Miss Pastor A, I thought my main responsibility was to win souls. Nope, your main responsibility is to, is to feed the sheep. Now, it's true that you have a burden and concern for souls, and you no doubt in your preaching are going to apply your, your messages to those who are outside of Christ and try to appeal to them to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that you ignore evangelism, but I'm saying that your primary responsibility is teach God's Word to God's people. I'm confident that if you are a God-called pastor, you're looking for opportunities outside the church, outside the pulpit, as you engage with people in public, as all of us have certain areas where our lives touch the public world of unconverted people, and I will have people to to communicate God's Word to, to, to talk to, that you will never have contact with, and you will have people that I will never have contact with, and God puts each of us in different spheres where we can do that. And so when you have a, a doctor's appointment, look for an opportunity to witness to the doctor, and so forth. And of course you're going to do that. I'm not saying that you are, you are so focused on teaching God's Word to God's people that you have no interest in or awareness of opportunities and needs for evangelism. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying your primary responsibility is not evangelism. Your, Mr. Pastor, your primary responsibility is to teach God's Word to God's people. And... Let's extend that a little bit further. That's the primary purpose of the assembly of the saints, the church services, the church meetings. The church meetings are not primarily geared toward 
evangelism. Not if they are structured according to the Bible. Church meetings are primarily an assembly of God's people to worship the Lord, to fellowship with one another, and to take in the Word of God. This is where the sheep get fed. Now, do we want unconverted people to attend our church services? Of course, but that's not the primary purpose. It's okay if they come. If they come, it very well may be that the Lord is working in their heart, showing them their need of Christ, giving them a desire to hear the Word of God. God may be doing a converting work in their soul. That's good. That's fine. But that's not the primary purpose of the church meeting. Where did we miss that? So many people think that the most important thing is to to try to get as many lost people to church as possible, and the the extension of that in the minds of many people is to do whatever will most attract them. So, <laughs> here we go. And I won't go into all the details, but you know what I'm talking about. And unfortunately, many church services are more examples of entertainment than they are of the worship of God and the preaching and teaching of God's Word. They are entertaining because they are designed to attract people who are not attracted to the Word. Wrong. You've got it wrong. You've got it backwards. The pastor's job is to feed the sheep, to teach God's Word to God's people. He is called and equipped to be a pastor-teacher. And the church service is designed to be an assembly of the yoo saints. <laughs> assembly of the saints, not assembly of the goats. An assembly of the saints. And yes, if a goat wanders in, as I've already said, that's good. That's fine. We're glad to have them come. And if God is working in their heart, they're going to keep coming and hearing God's word, and they will. Well, I've actually missed a a cog here because I don't actually believe that a goat becomes a sheep. I believe that there are found sheep and lost sheep. And if some, but we don't know when lost people show up at church, we don't know if they're a sheep or a goat. But if they are a sheep, a sheep that has not yet been found by the shepherd, then they will come to a saving knowledge of Christ and it will become clear that they are one of Christ's sheep. But we don't know. And we certainly are interested in seeing Christ's sheep found, and church services are a good place for that to happen, but we don't tailor the church service to appeal to unconverted people. Isn't it a strange thing that we don't seem to understand that if we let unconverted people determine for us what a church service should be like, we are asking the world to define and describe churches for us. That's not where we get our instructions. We get that from the Bible. Back to verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 13, where Paul said, For we can do nothing against the truth, but only what is for the truth. How do we know what our church services ought to be like? We don't find out by asking unconverted people. We don't go door-to-door -door taking a poll and say, what should we do to get you to come to church? 
What, what is it you don't like about church, and what is it that you would, you would like if we did it that would get you to come to church? And come on now, where did you ever get the idea that churches are supposed to go to the world to find out what a church service should be like? Where in the world have we gotten off the track here? We've got to have lives regulated by truth. We've got to have churches regulated by truth. We've got to have pulpits that are focused upon truth, pastors who recognize that their primary responsibility is to preach the Word of God. We've got to have Christians who are hungry for the truth and demand that as the main focus of their church service, to hear the truth of God's Word and to worship God in spirit and in truth. And Christians who want to hear the truth because they have a desire for examination, they want the Spirit of God to use the Word of God to examine their hearts so that they can make the corrections that God's Word indicates need to be made. And the longer we delay self-correction, the more we invite divine chastening, we, we desire to be taught and corrected by the truth of God's Word. And that's what we must understand, and that's what we must focus upon. And that's one of the strong closing applications of 2 Corinthians, that above all else, God's people must be people of the truth. God's churches must be churches of the truth. God's preachers must be preachers of the truth. We must make the truth the focus of our lives. May God help us to do it. Until next, or till tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace. <laughs>